On this episode, I get the opportunity to speak with Jory Davis, an Indiana University women's basketball alumni and a nine-year professional of the women's game. Jory has had the opportunity to play in Israel, Romania, Switzerland, Spain, and most recently, Italy. She will speak on what she calls the truths and misconceptions about a lost community, as well as how to prepare yourself for everything that comes with graduating from college and the ins and outs of stepping into a professional career. These are all Jory's views, and they help to make her own story unique in the way that it all unfolds. Here it is, presented in her own light. Welcome to Social at a Distance with Danielle Patterson. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Jory Davis, who is a nine-year pro and Indiana alum, and she calls herself an advocate for the lost community of overseas athletes. So Jory, I'm so happy and really excited to be here with you today um, to just talk about something that I think more light needs to be brought to, especially when talking about the overseas community. And I know you have a lot of experience with that, and I'm really excited to hear your views and hear your knowledge on it. So I think the best place to start would probably be your senior year at Indiana. So I know you became a top three scorer in the Big Ten that season. So can you tell me how you, what your mind was thinking when all this was happening and as far as going and playing? you know, professionally and everything that entailed after that. Yeah. So, you know, during that time, of course, now I'm far removed from when I was a senior, but I do remember my senior year, I I, I wanted to get to the league. I knew that was my goal. Uh, I knew I was playing against other players that were on those draft lists mm-hmm. in the big 10. And I felt I was just as good. Uh, just, you know, the team success didn't, you know, follow suit, but I knew my personal, um, my personal skill set and IQ was good enough to, to make it to that league. So, um, that year I was, I was really focused. I was focused on trying to, to help the team, but also, you know, making sure I did what I could possibly do for myself to, to get, um, the respect from those that would make the decision to, to help me get to the league. And, um, you know, my senior year was, it was a normal year. I mean, I was kind of feeling myself, you know, I had done good things as a player. So, you know, I felt like I was in a good place. I had graduated early, starting my master's. Um, yeah. And everyone on campus knew who I was because I was the face of the program once I was a senior. So, um, you know, everyone kind of knew who I was. My, my, my Duncan picture was on the back of buses in Indianapolis, you know, like, yeah, I felt like, okay, yes, it's all set up. You know, I'm on my way. Um, and you know, I was just really excited. I was really ready for the next step. Um, but I was, I definitely was putting the work in. Um, I didn't think it was over from there. I definitely was putting the work in and uh, was ready for the journey that I, I thought was, was a, I was about to embark on. But, um, you know, I, I realized it was soon going to be something totally different <laughs> than what I thought because I was not thinking Europe at all. And um, it surprises me that now players are starting a little bit to know overseas basketball exists, but I had no idea that, oh, no WNBA, there was something else. Right. So that takes me into my next, my next question. So like I said, like you, had just said, like draft time came around and I know on your IGTV episode called truth and misconceptions about a lost community, you pointed out that only 0.9% of eligible players coming out of college actually make the WNBA. 
and that's the lowest percentage of all major sports. But, I mean, you were drafted in 2011, and you were drafted to the Indiana Fever, and then next thing you know, something else happens, and you're going in a different direction because you didn't get to participate in training camp. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> I felt like there had to be enough people around me to tell me the truth to tell me what it was really going to be, to tell me what the journey was going to look like and tell me what my choice, my chances were. Um, that didn't exist. And probably for some athletes, they do need to, yeah, just let them, just pump them up, make them think, yeah, you're a star. You're going to go on and, and play great and be a star in the WNBA. Um, but that's not what, what we need. And, of course, I didn't know that at the time. But I, you know, I was drafted. I was actually, when I found out I was drafted, I was in the classroom (laughs) and I was in the classroom and a student was like, Oh, professor, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't want to interrupt you, but Jory, congrats. You're drafted. And I was like, what? I had no, I didn't think I was getting drafted at all. So I'm mad at you. And then as soon as I, he says it, my agent's calling me and mind you, I had just, you know, kind of as soon as I just just finally kind of got with my agent mm-hmm. a while back preparing for what I was going to do next. Mm-hmm. And she calls like, oh, congrats, you got the fever. She just told me some basic like, oh, next, we'll get ready for training camp, blah, blah, blah. OK, bye. Right. You know, not nothing really. No I- other plan. Mm-hmm. You know, there was nothing else from there. Just like, oh, do your thing, work out, get ready. Um, and I did that. And. You know, I I was totally oblivious to to what was going on in the business world. You know, there was there were things going on. There was about to be a three way trade that was gonna hurt me. There were other players um, that went the first round, second round, and I didn't know that the third rounders don't even get a chance. Really, like it's it's known that hey, you go third round, yeah, you're, you're not you're not gonna make it. Uh, it's very rare, um, and so I I went in the gym heavy a couple of my managers shout out to drew shout out to holly who were uh indiana fever uh ball girls and managers as, as well as iu and and they really invested in me like drew was there to shoot with me uh he was empowering me saying jory i see these i see them at the practice at the WBA. you can totally take this spot this spot and you know i was excited and i set up a a workout with uh, Stephanie White. I remember Coach Klopp, those were the two assistants. And I was really gun-ho to get in front of them and say, look, I need you to see me up close. And I uh, got to Indiana, Fever, the field house. And, you know, I'm a broke student, so, of course, I had to figure my way down to Indiana, like Indianapolis. I didn't have a car. Mm-hmm. And everything was shut down. I'm trying to find my way in. I'm like, look, I'm trying to call them. No one's answering. And I finally find my way in. Holly came through she got me connect and let me in some kind of way I can't recall and I remember seeing Stephanie and coach Klopp in their office and they were kind of shocked to see me because mm-hmm. they were like you know because they hadn't got back to me and then they said oh we can't do the workout today because of whatever whatever and the next day after I got back to Bloomington I got the call I was outside a hairdresser I think I was dropping one of my teammates off mm-hmm. got the call from the GM saying, I'm so sorry, I have to do this, da, 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 da. she cut me. And I was just like, what? How do I get cut before I even get a chance to prove myself? Like, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, yeah, I was very upset, depressed, 
Um, I had I didn't get the first team all Big Ten that I felt I deserved, especially after the year I had that senior year. I got second team. And so all those things, I was just really down on myself because I at that moment I thought, dang, I, I failed. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, what I thought I was going to accomplish, I didn't. Right. But then, I mean, the next thing that happens is you speak to your agent. Your agent says, you know, you have to go to, I believe it was Israel. And you yeah. have score, score, score. You came back. You were top 10 in scoring in Israel. And I want you just to tell me now, just go kind of in a different direction. What are some of the advantages and disadvantages of playing overseas? Because I feel like a lot of times we're left in the dark to find those things out. As players, I know people that I've spoken to until they're actually over there and in, mm-hmm. the, in those positions. And they're like, whoa, this is so much different than what I thought it was. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the disadvantages is – like this, I tell you as a story. <laughs> you get over, you get overseas. You think you have no idea that everything you were blessed with at your university is not going to be there, and so you think you're going to manage your 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 body and everything the same way you've been used to managing it at college, and that's just not going to happen. So you get there, and you get to a house that is not as good as your probably your apartment that your scholarship check paid for in college. Uh, you might get there. Wi-Fi might not be there. So you're waiting. You're calling your agent probably because if you're a rookie, you're calling your agent saying, uh, I don't have Wi-Fi because you're scared because you don't know how to communicate with the people there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you need the Wi-Fi because you don't have a phone plan set up because you're trying to just mm-hmm. use what's that. What's you know, there? so you have all those things. You're isolated. Mm-hmm. And then you're going through this journey and you realize immediately not just me, but I've talked to recent players that left their universities and they felt like they never played there for four years. So now immediately you felt like this group of people and institution was for you. And now all of a sudden they, they didn't forgot. They on to the next, you know? And so I think that part right there, the disadvantages is that you're isolated. The disadvantages is that people soon forget what you did where you come, you know, where you're coming from, what you did for that, that institution, what you did for that university, um, those resources and access to those types of people are, it just seems obsolete. Now, of course, you know, if I would have called Mr. Rob and been like, Hey, Mr. Rob, I need some help. I I got a groin injury or something. I'm sure he would have helped in some way. Um, but at the same time, you're not paying Mr. Rob no more. No one, you don't have the funds no more to, to, even if you wanted to, to pay for these type of people. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things as well is like over in America, if you're a WNBA, you're around these people all the time. You're, you're, you're around sponsors. You're around all these people that can help you grow in your dual career overseas. Nothing is set up for you to maintain your dual career. The only thing is set up for you to get paid and you play basketball and that's it. And that's one of the biggest disadvantages. The advantages However, um, is that you are a very unique individual after you go through this process because not many people, people travel. There's people that have influencers, they travel for like a week or less and they're in these places, but they don't live there and you're living there. You're going through the challenges of trying to communicate. You're trying to, to, to build your life there. And that's something that is very valuable um, to anyone because you're rare. Not many people live the lifestyle. So 
that's one of the keys. I think that's one positive thing about it. Um, another advantage is traveling the world. Once you're overseas, it's very cheap and inexpensive to get to country to country. And so the experiences you, you gain, if you have an open mind, of course, if you're open to letting yourself travel and, and open to talking to this little Italian man that you don't know what he's saying, but if you just give him a high five, one beautiful thing about it, like you meet new people who appreciate you, you know, because you are an athlete and you do have that, that stature and they love that. Um, it's tax-free, of course. So if you, if you can know the advantages when it comes to money, you can really utilize that to, to, to prepare yourself up, even if you're going to be three years you know, it's tax-free money and you, everything's paid, full expenses. So there's opportunity there. Mm -hmm. And then one thing people don't understand is that there's also opportunities to to do a dual career. If you if you do something that's digital, if, if you're into writing or blogging or whatever, and you have something set up as a career option, playing and being able to do that, that's two sources of income. Um, so you're living that dream that you see everybody talk about, no nine to five and live in traveling the world. We live that as overseas athletes. We just haven't figured out how to bring that extra dual career piece. Um, and so I think, you know, there's a number of advantages I can go on and on that we, we have and that we can have with increase of resources. Got it. And I like, I like that you use the word unique too, because I mean, I feel like everyone's, uh, opportunities and experiences have been unique and even to go back to what you were saying about just the resources and stuff that you have I mean a few uh years ago probably like two years ago I got the chance to go overseas and play in Italy um with my team and I mean everything was just so different and I think after that experience you come back and you're really thankful for the resources that you do have like the game ready and the Norma text and the ice baths but at the time you're like oh, I gotta go get in this ice bath but then when you come back you're like okay that's where I'm headed because you yeah. don't have those things. I mean, it was simple as like the air conditioning in the gyms. You know, we were at halftime. We were outside yeah. talking at halftime. So, I mean, it really does put things into perspective for the resources that you do have as a collegiate athlete. But my, my next question for you is why do you think this information is not spoken about a lot? Why do you think it's so safeguarded? You know, you, you said it, I think in your, in your IG episode, like, you know, you got to the point where it was like, okay, I'm getting ready to graduate and I know this, but I might not know this. So why do you think we don't have those conversations, especially if you're in the WNBA or if you're getting ready to go overseas and play, we're all running the same race kind of. Yeah, I think um, one of the reasons is, you know, when we just talk about the basic rules of power, in order to stay in power, you need to have a group of people that are uneducated, that aren't knowledgeable. And so you keep that power because they have to rely on you. As soon as someone, you know, knows what you know, they don't need you anymore. And I think uh, with agents and certain business uh, leaders, it was never in their best interest for us to be knowledgeable. It's in their best interest for us to just trust them blindly mm -hmm. so they can do everything. And um, for me, that just didn't seem correct. You know, that, that we needed to know what we, what we had to do to manage our careers from a business standpoint. And then from there, if we don't want to, to manage it on our own, we hire you, not the other way around where we don't know anything. And so we literally have no other choice to be a slave to you because you know everything. You have all the network, you have the connections. So I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing is lack of mentorship. Mm -hmm. I think those that are in my position just never 
really took initiative and said, it's my duty to make sure whoever coming from my university is my duty to make sure they don't fail. You know, like it's my duty if I'm coming from UCLA, they don't fail. And some schools, they have that culture. I'm sure uh, UConn has that culture. You know, I'm sure those top, top schools, because they have so many pros coming out of the program, they have that culture. But for that, that girl that's D2, that's the first one to make it or that Juco player or players from just, you know, power, power schools like Indiana and stuff or, you know, different schools. However, the culture is not packed tight like those schools I just mentioned. And so the, the players just become so selfish and self-consumed on, I got to make it, I'm going to make it. Then once they make it, it's about, I got to stay here. And then when they're done, maybe sometimes it, it's embarrassment of now you're done with your career and you haven't built up nothing. So now you're trying to figure out life. So you just totally lose the fact that everything you did go through is valuable. That intellectual property is needed by somebody else, but we don't do that. And so, you know, I think it's just a, a, a number of things as to why that knowledge is not out there. And one of it is that we just never had a platform to share it. We never had a platform to really, you know, share what we need to know to really, you know, within each other say this person is bad and announce that to the whole community so nobody gets done dirty. You know, we don't have that place. And, you know, our institutions, our universities, they're not in that business. Yeah. And then I want to even talk about, you said, you use the, the word platform. So you're the founder of the Weevolve Society and the Unguarded Podcast. And I mean, that is your platform and, and that enables you to speak about these topics. So can you talk about what you're trying to highlight through that platform? Yeah. So Weevolve um, is basically an exclusive peer-to-peer ecosystem of validated resources, mentors, and experiences. And within that ecosystem it's an exclusive group of athletes um, and we target the overseas community and and those athletes that are looking to come overseas and you know we're trying to provide them with a plan mm-hmm. on how to get overseas a plan on how to maintain overseas and the plan on how to exit and and balance that and then build a community for us so we tackle those issues like mental health, loneliness. So we tackle the issues of, I don't know what to do in my downtime. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the things we've always looking to accomplish. And we want to do that, of course, through new technologies and new ways of, of doing business. Um, the Unguarded podcast is, is truthfully trying to get athletes to just be real. Like, let's be unguarded. It's time to to say what we need to say, especially during this time, you see so many athletes, truthfully, a lot of athletes and non-athletes, um, especially those of color telling their truth. Yeah. You know, people are scared because right now it's like, all right, go ahead, yep. share it, Can't let it go. Yeah. yeah. So people out there are like, Oh yes. Call out this one, this one, this one. Yeah. Um, and that's what unguarded. That's what I wanted to try and accomplish. You know, of course, now with everything going on, it's, it's like now everybody can just do it. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's, you know, the unguarded podcast is for us to tell our truths, yeah. our lows, highs, the worst times, the great times. But, you know, target those that aren't the big names. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know we can probably find LeBron's story start to finish on YouTube and everything. 
uh, where is where is the other group of players that are pros that are in the overseas market that have great stories? Uh, where are those? They're, they're not out there. And so that's what the Unguarded podcast, you know, that's what we're starting to do. The Weave Off blog that will soon, we'll soon start releasing some content will be, you know, craziest stories from overseas or, you know, if I knew what I knew now stories, you know, that's the type of stuff we want to kind of get out there. The truth. <laughs> For all that it is. So I want to know, um, at some point, you know, the ball is going to stop bouncing, but I'll get there in a second. What is a project that you wish that you could pursue right now playing? And then what is a project you wish you could pursue in the future? Maybe when you're done playing and maybe you want to get back to your community. It could be anything. Yeah. Um, so definitely we've all with something that's now in the future. But uh, one thing I know I've wanted to to try to make happen was definitely me as Jory to ha- give back to the amateurs, you know, those trying to make it now to college and help them curate a plan, help them create a decision matrix to take emotion out of their, you know, recruiting process and bring in some more data and facts and um, and also, um, me go with a few other elite athletes who are now pros and we take video content of, as if we were back in that day and we were going through our official visit, do all of that and then do a report on the school based on our knowledge now being far removed, you know, knowing what we know now, we give a report. And so now players before they even choose to go on an unofficial official, they have this source. Parents have that source to help them open their eyes and get out of the emotion and say, okay, let's decision. And, and then advise them on, okay, what's the team layout right now? You know, let's look at that. How you want to play? What are you really going there for? And, and do that. And that's something I definitely want to do right now, as well as, you know, give back to New Orleans anywhere I can. That's where I'm from. That's where I was born and raised. That's that's ingrained in me, no matter where I've been over the world. And so whatever way I can give back to New Orleans and share my story, especially to the to the young ladies playing basketball, um, that's what I want to make happen. As uh, far as the future, um, it's around the same things. You know, I really want to be a global voice. You know, I don't just want to stay in America. I want to – I feel like I love immersing myself in different cultures. I feel like I can relate to those different cultures. So I kind of want to be that bridge, that bridge to say, okay, this is the American athlete. This is the Italian athlete, but guess what? Y'all different. But when we hear, let's, let's learn how to, to be empathetic. Let's learn how to realize that we're different, but we all in the same struggle as athletes because right. we all fight in the same powers that be um, and do, and, you know, really start to, to do camps and stuff all over like in India, Africa, um, I really would love to to build the Weave Off brand to be global, where now we're, we're really educating, having experiences and connecting athletes all over the world. Um, that would be awesome to me. Yeah, and that's really cool. I liked what you said um, specifically about, you know, going into college and helping kids that are, you know, getting ready to take that big leap because it is a big leap and you're trying to juggle, you know, so many different things at once, especially if you have the privilege of, you know, talking to a lot of universities and a lot of coaches and that emotional part. I mean, that's really big. You know, the more you start to talk to coaches, you become a little bit more connected and you're like, okay, I want to go here. 
But then it's like, yeah. okay, not really the best place for you. And I mean, for me, that was four years ago. But I know for so many people, that's like right now. And sometimes it can get confusing and it can get hard. And, you know, sometimes you have to make that second choice. But I think having someone like you who's gone through it on so many different levels, I think that just helps so much. So yeah. that brings me to my final question for you, Jory. So if you're at where you're at right now and you could go back and tell Jory, senior Jory in college, anything, what would it be? I'm not trying to make you cry, I promise. <laughs> yeah, I know, man. That that one, whew, that would make you cry. Let it, you know. Uh, so if I was to go meet up with Jory back at IU, we would have. I would have told him meet me at Dats. We would have got some uh, some seafood, some some, <laughs> some Cajun food. We would have met, met at Dats on Bloomington, and uh, you know, I would have told her, um, you know, your the loss you just took far as not making it to the WNBA is really a blessing in disguise. You know, I would have told her to, to not let this moment define you, um, to, to bounce back as fast as you can, you know, deal with it, get over it, get over that, you know, quicker, quicker, like let it go about big 10, not being first team, let it go about, you know, your pictures being taken down as soon as you graduate. Let that stuff go because you holding on to it does nothing to those that didn't care. You know, um, your legacy here is your legacy here. And, and now it is what it is. Um, I would tell her to, to be open-minded as much as possible to, to immerse herself in, in every culture, everywhere she goes. Don't compare to who's here or who has this money. I'm getting paid less. Just maximize your opportunity where you are because that's the valuable thing. You know, you can make this much more money, but if you're not maximizing it and making sure you gain the most value out of the situation you're in right now, the money will never be able to make up for you being in the now um, in the relationships you would build. And so I would also tell her uh, to take her time. Take her time. Don't be rushed. Don't allow other people to define your worth um, and, and rush you into to, to things that just don't make sense. You know, ask questions. You know, don't, don't be so private. Um, and then at the end, I would just tell her to, to keep, being, keep being the jury that you were, uh, you were since you were from in New Orleans. You know, keep being the person that, that is open. Keep being the person with a sincere heart loyalty is first and no matter what the business is doing the cutthroatness the politics stay true to you and that's what's gonna make you way more valuable in the long run than any of them that's in the race that is that was great that's wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> But I personally, I just want to say thank you so much because I remember when you came uh, to our workouts last summer and I think I was sitting by you and I came over and introduced myself and you told me who you were and you were just an open book from that moment mm -hmm. there. I mean, talking yeah. about that mentorship that you talked about before, you know, you didn't hold back and you were so ready to help in any way you could even in that moment and meaning the small time that that was. And I mean, I appreciated that and it really, really made my day to be able to talk to you. And I know I learned so much from this conversation. I hope 
everyone listening has taken something from it and I wish you the best continued success on your journey. <laughs> yeah, I thank you as well for having me. Um, as I said before, like I think it's my duty, especially from those who are about to follow in my footsteps from IU, you know, it's, it's my duty to, to help them make the best plan possible before they, they go down this professional journey, before they go down the life journey in general. Um, so I thank you for, for having me on. Thank you so much, Joy. I appreciate it. Oh, anytime. All right.